Good morning, guys. I, I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to tell my story. And I need a napkin. Preferably a clean one or one that has bacon grease on it. I didn't plan on this, but I asked my sons to come sit up here because today what I want to do is I want to talk to my sons and you can listen in. I'm just going to tell my story. I did a crazy thing and thought about doing a PowerPoint and having an outline and notes. I just need to tell my story. I've been a a pastor and taught Bible class for many years. And last Sunday at the age of 49, in that sanctuary, I stood in worship and I watched people being baptized on the screen. And I had to get baptized. I just came to church. It was a regular day. When I was a little boy, I'm sure I got baptized at some point because that's what a pastor's son does, probably multiple times, whenever they need better numbers. Come here, son. (laughs) But I never recalled it happening. And then I was in Bible college at the age of 19, and I had this guilt trip. I'm like, I don't even know if I got baptized before, so I should probably do this, right? Like, I made myself do it just so I could check it off the religious bucket list. You know, I've got baptized. So I did that. And and last Sunday, my heart was stirred. Number one, I want to get baptized. But the second reason I did is because although I've always understood redemption and could always explain it so well to people, it wasn't until the last year that I experienced the power of it in my life. And I wanted baptism. So, in the last about eight months of my life, I've lost 66 pounds as of today. And thank you, but you're clapping for the wrong thing. Losing weight is about number 10 on the list of what's happened in my life. It's not even near. It's the least important thing that's happened in me in terms of changes in my life. I came here today to find some men that you can experience the same second of redemption that I experienced. My life changed in a second. You need to hear more of my story. So I've been overweight since probably one or two days old. (laughs) Not sure on the exact date. I remember being in like third grade and they would, they would march the whole, the whole class down to the hallway outside the nurse's office. And on the other side of the hallway was the scale and height. And, and one at a time you go step on that thing and that someone would call out the height and someone would call out the weight and the other person would write it down. And I don't know how much I weighed at the time, probably like nine pounds more than the normal kids. But that nine pounds may as well be everything. I hated that day. I recall being at home and, 
And I would take the scale out of my parents' room and I would practice standing on it to see if there's a way that I could doctor the results. Do I blow out all of my breath? Do I step on it gingerly? Do I lift one leg? My weight became the theme of my life. It was who I was. You know, when I was a kid, one day they announced in class, hey, if you want to join the band, go to the band room. And my older siblings played, and so that's our thing, I guess. So I went to the band room, and the, the guy, the director said, so what do you want to play? And I said, the trumpet. My brother played it. It was cool and manly back in the early 80s. So I took the trumpet, and he said, he said make a noise. And I tried, and I couldn't. And he said something that changed the rest of my childhood from fifth grade all the way through high school. It changed me. He took the trumpet and he said, your lips are too big. Never in my life had I considered the size of my lips. But from that moment on, I considered it everywhere I went. When I walked into the room, people looked at me. I just knew they were looking at the size of my lips. I just knew it. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm trying to be real with you this morning. When it was picture day at school, I'd stand in front of the mirror and try to doctor my smile in such a way that my, I have a natural smile, yet I can make my lips appear smaller because historical evidence is about to be created the size of my lips. When I was a child, I actually had developed speaking habits that weren't all that clear because I didn't want so much movement right here in the area of my mouth. It was better that I not talk so much because it causes these things to draw attention to themselves. The problem wasn't that my lips were too big. The problem was that I became a little child bound, that the size of my lips determined the size of my life. I was bound that the size of my lips determined my life. That was my childhood example. So then I grow up and I become this man who's overweight. And it determined my life. There wasn't a room that I walked into that I did not figure everybody was thinking about what I look like. If I sat down and had lunch with you, I was thinking about two things. You and my body. Oh, don't get me wrong. I would care about you. I would listen to you but I would just filter everything you said through what I look like. And I would filter everything that I said by what I look like. I taught Bible class for years. I loved teaching about the result of God's spirit within you. Scripture calls it the fruit of the spirit. I love teaching about it. I would love talking about, you know how, you know what God does in you when his life is in you, you have love and joy and peace and patience. And at some point I would just stop and say, you know, the rest because I couldn't authentically as a man stand in front of young people and talk about the fruit of the Spirit self-control when I had none. See, people need to know my real story because my real story has nothing to do with losing weight. The bondage I was in was that the, the totality of my life was nothing more than how much weight was on me. The fear of my life, what all of us men want is to someday be a hero in this world. 
That's why when we're four years old, we streak naked out of the bathroom after a, after a bath with a towel around our neck. Because within every single one of us as men is to be a hero in this world. We want to be on the horse in, in front of Mel Gibson, ready to charge into something. We all want that, to be that kind of hero, to lay aside your life and that something from your life produces something. That was the cry of my heart. We all want that. It was the fear of my life that my life would never matter. And the noose around my neck was my weight. My fear is that I would die and never be a man that gave his best to his wife. The number of times I laid in bed next to my faithful, loving wife, who in 20-some years never said to me, you need to lose weight, never said that to me. She never said or did anything to, to ever say, you disgust me. She never said, put a shirt on but I always kept one on. I was afraid that this woman who's loved me so dearly, I would never be able to give her my best. I feared that my God who loved me, I would never give him my best. I know in this world, the many trappings that will come, I feared that my life would never show my son's how to be free. When you look at my story, don't you dare look at me and think, oh, the guy just liked bacon and potatoes. I was bound. I was going to die to little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. You know the shame that you live with when something just so ordinary that's at your fingertips, just grips you. The shame that I had as a man when I, could, I would wake up every day saying, I have got to lose weight today. But by 9.30, some little package comes along and I had no power over it. How many times I would go to bed at night so full that it's like uncomfortable and hard to breathe? And on one hand, I say that tomorrow I must be different. But the second thought I would have was I hope I wake up tomorrow. Because hundreds of times I would wake up in the middle of the night and wonder if I was breathing. The devil doesn't care how he steals, kills, and destroys. I was not a man who liked food. I was a man getting eaten by food. I was bound, and it was killing me spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It changed in a second. My life was, was in a prison. Let me show you a quick visual. Because I, I think all of our story is the same. For me, it, it was weight. When I was a kid, it was my lips. But everyone fills in the blank somehow. Let me give you a simple visual to, to describe how everyone's life, our story is really all the same. Number one, we're born. We can all agree with that. We're born, 
We're excited for a while. And then number three, something happens. Something happens to us, or in the case of a lot of us men, we do something. And we simply don't know what to do with it. When the man said, your lips are too big, it derailed me. When I did things from my life, when I got into bad behaviors, I I didn't know what to do. It derails you and it, it compels us to go into the bushes and there we hide. It's the same as creation. It's no different. Adam and Eve created, excited for a while, something happens and there's something that just compels us that the only option I have is to hide. And I hid in food most of my life. And it was a prison. And let me explain to you what what it was like in that prison. My best friend in the prison was the devil. He, He set himself up as a prison. Let me explain how. I told myself, here's the greatest lie in the bush, is that I must lose weight to be free. Fill in the blank however you need to, but this was the lie. I I must lose weight to be free. My entire life was lived from inside the paradigm of I'm in a prison cell. I can teach people redemption, and you can really understand it while I teach you from this prison cell. And this is the thought that we often have with our life. Once we're in the bush, behaviors come from our life because we're in the bush. You could call it coping. And then then our life becomes fixated by what happens because we were in the bush. So I'm in this prison, and the devil was, was a constant confidant. I say the devil, my own thinking, the lies, the enemy, however you want to say it. He was very good with me buying diet books. Oh, yeah, buy a diet book. That's great because you're right. You need to lose weight to be free. He, the devil's the accuser. He oftentimes just whispers the lie that we already believe. That's why he's the accuser. The devil, I think, he, he would go to the bookstore for me. Hey, I got another book for you, big boy. It's going to help you. Don't get too many Cheeto stains on it. You read this book, you'll get really hungry for something that tastes good. The devil's fine with me going to the gym, getting to, getting to go, go work out, you know. That, that'll change it. Go work out. That's going to change things. Yeah. You know why he's fine with me going to the gym? Because he knows on the way home I'll stop at Quick Trip and get a bag of Doritos and a Dr. Pepper and wipe out the whole gym experience. The lie of my life was that I had to lose weight to be free. And that very thought handcuffed me from being free. So I went through some steps of vulnerability. Vulnerability is the is the tool that postures a man for freedom. I called a man. I, I heard a man's story on a video conference. He, he weighed over 300 pounds and went down to 179. Then I was like, that's the guy I want to coach me. And I called this random guy, and he wasn't even a 
any kind of a coach. He is now. I called him and I said, I, I, need, I need help. This weight's killing me. And he, he pressed me into getting accountability, which I think accountability is stupid. Growing up as a kid, accountability partners, I just thought, man, that's creepy stuff. Like, why would I want to ruin a perfectly good friendship? I mean, what? Hey, Leo, when we golf today, would you make sure I don't stop for a hot dog between the first nine and the back nine? Hey, Adam, can you call me on Wednesdays and ask me about my calorie count? Like, accountability stuff never made sense to me. And so I argued with him. I'm like, yeah, I know accountability is right, but it's stupid. It's not manly. I learned about accountability, though. Accountability is what kept me in the fight. But let me go back to vulnerability for a second. Here's what vulnerability did. I'm behind this bush, and vulnerability postured me to have the change of mind that I needed to have. Because transformation comes from the renewal of the mind, not the changing of the body. Let me say this again. Transformation comes by the renewing of the mind, not the changing of the body. Look at this up here. I was convinced that I needed behavior change. And that with behavior change, I would experience spiritual change. And then I could become a vulnerable man, open and honest about myself. This was what I was convinced of. This is, this is the lie that you have to lose weight to become free. But here's what changed in me. I realized that vulnerability comes first. And vulnerability postures a man to experience spiritual change, which is a renewal of the mind. Romans 12, we're transformed by the renewing of the mind. It's not just a feeling we have at some point. It is a changed mind. And that leads to life change. A better word for it is freedom. When people come up to me and say, you've lost a lot of weight, you've been working hard. No, I have not. I am free. It has not felt like work. Let me tell you exactly how it felt. After a process of churning out vulnerability in my life, I was behind that bush. And I had listened to the devil over here say time and time again to me, you have to lose weight to be free. And I always thought, I assumed in my mind that God said to me, you know, you have to lose weight to be free. I assumed that of the gospel. I assumed that Jesus said to me, yeah, you need to lose weight. But vulnerability postured me to ask the right questions and be able to understand the answers. Vulnerability changed my heart and I, I looked at the gospel, I looked at Jesus, and what I so clearly sensed in my, in my heart was that Jesus was, when he said, you need to lose weight, he was pointing to the mind. And the gospel compelled me as, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was 30 years in a prison cell. The gospel compelled me, go to the prison door and see if it's open. At that time, I was doing boxing workouts at the Reed Foundation. 
that was a step of vulnerability I took. The Reed Foundation was this tiny room with like 50 or 60 children from North Tulsa in a daycare. And in the middle of it was this boxer training guys like me and these workouts. And so in that time in my life, I got these boxing gloves on. And I remember, I remember this day so well. It's as if the gospel said, go to the door and see if it's unlocked. And it was so scary because I had told myself for 30 years that I must lose weight to be free. But if the door is open, that's not true. And I'm wearing these boxing gloves in my mind and I'm walking over to this, this prison door and the gospel says, see if it's open. In my mind, it was like I took this boxing glove and just like afraid because if it's not unlocked, I do have to lose weight to be free. But if it is open, then everything changes. And in my mind, I just touched the door and it just swung open. And I took one step outside of that door in my mind. And there was no one to push me back in. And I ran. And I frolicked in freedom. I did not lose weight because of work. I lost weight because I'm free. (laughs) When people compliment me, oh, you've lost so much weight, you've looked hard. No, I've not worked hard. It's freedom. It is freedom. And I compel you today with what's in your blank. When I was a little boy, my lips were too big. When I was a man, my stomach, my body was too big. Your blank is too what? The gospel compelled me to go stand at the cross. And there's this, in my mind, I imagine standing before Jesus right before he dies. And saying to him, but Jesus, what if I'm overweight? Can you use me then? What if I have this problem? Can you use me then? What would Jesus say? but that because you would be overweight, I'm on this cross. I was an overweight man. But this morning in this room, I need you to ask yourself the question, in what way are you overweight? In what way are you overweight? Your wallet might be your fork. Your stuff might be your food. When I left that prison cell, I just started running. Here was another step of vulnerability. I had spent my whole life never being able to run. I hated it, thought it was ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculous. I remember when I was a kid in junior high and we had the president's physical fitness test and we had to run a mile and they took us down to the track and they said, you have to run around this thing. And I'm like, this, it looks like, it looks like a city block. Like, how do you, how does anyone run around on this thing? You can't do this. This is not humanly possible. And they say, you go around it four times. I'm like, you this is America. You can't do this to children. Like, I'm like, well, 
whatever, Mr. Tight Short Shorts PE teacher. I'm just going to walk, and at some point, the bell's going to ring. I've got English class, so you can time that, mister. I never, ever ran. I watched my son run across country and was like, how do humans do this? And I was so out of shape, there's no way I could run. It was impossible. And I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on this dude's neck. I'm going to do the mile run. And I didn't do that to prove anything. I did it because I was, I'm, I'm, I was free. I spent 30 years coping and the rest of my life, I spend fighting. Freedom took, turned me from a coper into a fighter. And so if something is a challenge in front of me, I used to go in the corner and eat because oh, I can't deal with that. That stresses me out. Now I eat challenges for breakfast. Like if something's in front of me, it's like, oh, let's bring it on. Food was my constant friend. Anytime there was something in life that would be stressful or, or hard or a challenge or would cause anxiety, like I would just go eat. It was a very easy answer. But you know what I realized? God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, but it's not in the weakness that we hide. It's when you're 350 pounds, when you're 350 pounds and you step out from behind a bush wearing nothing but a loincloth. You know, it was so weird at the moment of vulnerability. I felt like when I came out from behind the bush in vulnerability and called a man. And then I set up a closed group on Facebook with friends. And I said, I'm going to post on here every day how much I weigh. And I'm going to tell you why I weigh what I weigh. Vulnerability. It felt like here I am hiding behind this 3X and sometimes 4X shirt. And when I step out, it is going to be this enormous like snowball fight of just of shame rained down upon me by the world. I tell you what happened. When I took the step, I was wearing nothing but a loincloth, 350 pounds. But the, as soon as I took the step, I was free. And I ran. I didn't care what anyone thought. This might be too much information for you, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I was, at, I was playing Frisbee golf one day with some friends. I don't know if you guys were there or not, but, but I would run from hole to hole because it was fun. And I noticed when I was running that like, you know, I think I hear my flat, my fat, like making noise when I run. And there, I was coming up to some people and I was like, I don't even care. The old me was only concerned with hiding. But the problem with hiding is when you hide, you hide yourself from freedom. In this hiding place, there was no help. There could be no change. But the moment I stepped into vulnerability, it was freedom. But this is our great hurdle as a man. Here's what we do on this pathway. We're born, we're excited, something happens, we go in the bushes. The bushes lead to behaviors that mess up our life. And then we say, oh, I got to change these behaviors. You know what vulnerability does? It causes you to see what you really need to see. 
It causes you to be postured for what you really need to hear and what you really need to change. Because what we do is we, we have these behaviors and we think the step I need to take is from here to here. But that's not it. The step we need to take is from here to here. Jesus wants to deal with what took us into the bush. He's not all that concerned with what happened because we lived in the bush. As long as we live our life fixated on, I'm not alive until I lose weight. I can't serve God until I change this. Until I get rid of this problem, I'm not really. This is why Jesus says, if you want to find your life, I just need you to lose it. Not fix it, not figure it out, not even change it. Just lose it. Vulnerability, the word is used so much that it loses its potency in our life because it sounds like toothpaste and deodorant. But go without that for a few days and see how it works. I'll tell you what vulnerability does. Vulnerability, it is not getting something off your chest. Vulnerability is not like, this is God's punishment. When I was a kid, when scripture says, confess your sins one to another, I thought that was was God's way of saying, listen, until you embarrass yourself, I won't forgive you. Now I realize that in the confessing of sins to someone, there's freedom. Because when you say it out of your mouth, you bring it out of the hiding place and you bring it into a healing place. Vulnerability is not just getting something off your chest. Vulnerability is just the step of coming to your knees. And you have no idea, but what vulnerability does, it postures you as a man to get the noose taken off of your neck and in its place, a cape being put around your neck. That's exactly what I experienced in my life. This thing was on my neck for 30 years that I can't get this thing off. You can't be free until you lose the weight. In the very second that I realized the door is open and I am free, I lost weight, but it was because I was free. I ran because I was free. How I ate changed because I was free. I ran a mile one day. My son gave me a workout plan that I worked on for six weeks or eight weeks to be able to run a mile. I'll never forget that day. The last three weeks, I've been running miles for men in this room. You see, I don't go to the gym to get skinny. I go there to become a fighter. I go there to fight laziness. I go there to become stronger. You'll never never see me at the gym flexing. Give me a break. I go there for spiritual strength. Three weeks ago, I said, God, for every mile I run, I want it to be a man that experiences the, the second of freedom that I experienced. Last night, I finished my 45th mile for men in this room. I came here today to find 45 men. You've been telling yourself for years that I have to change this to be free. 
I came here to tell you the prison door is open. But I'm going to tell you how to get through that prison door. The only way to get through it is vulnerability. It's the only way through it. But it's so hard for us men because we are so concerned about our position. We can spend our whole life only caring about our position. Can I tell you the only thing that the Lord is working on in us, the only thing that matters is our posture? I think about Moses as a young man. He was perfectly positioned to make a difference, and he wanted to. And he stepped out. Here I am to save the day. He kills an Egyptian and then says, "Uh uh-oh. I think what I did in my own strength, in my own heart, I didn't work out so well. And then how long was he in Midian? 40 years? Isolated? I can't help it in my mind to wonder if after 40 years, he finally just was just raked over with vulnerability to like, I guess, and I just imagine the day that he said, I guess all I am is a, is a shepherd. And I can hear God saying, so you say you're ready. Because God doesn't need our position. He needs our posture. It doesn't matter the position of our feet if our posture is not in the right place. But with a posture of vulnerability, God can do things in our life that we could never do in our own ability. We could never do. The question becomes, will a man be vulnerable? Vulnerability is not, it's not a good chance of living the life that you want. Vulnerability is the only chance to live the life that you want. It is the only chance a man has. But we're not postured for that. When we're in our 20s, we think, oh, I got to go get mine. Except without vulnerability, our spiritual nerve endings are so numb and we're so dumb that the things that we do with that just our macho male, I'm going to get mine, we just crush people. I want to compel everyone to take a step today because we never outgrow vulnerability. We never outgrow it. It is a man's greatest asset. I want to compel you to take a step of vulnerability. Here's why. Vulnerability comes one of two ways. It either comes by hitting rock bottom or it comes through awkward steps that you take. I'm, I, listen, I got to find me some men today. Because rock bottom, when you hit rock bottom, your wife hits it with you. Your kids hit it with you. In that moment you hit rock bottom, you may come to a revelation and get it. And be like, oh, I think I was, like, I, I don't think I was chasing life very effectively. I was Smeagol chasing precious. What was I doing? And you have this revelation, and behind you, just laying in the rubble, is the relationship with people that are very close to you. And they're just lost from the the wreck of what was your life. 
vulnerability comes either at either at the very end of a of a of a crash. It's a it's a it's at rock bottom, or vulnerability can come through awkward steps that you take. We never outgrow it. And today I want to compel men to take an awkward step. And what I want you to know is that when you take awkward steps, you position yourself and you posture yourself to understand God and to see as you should see and to be what you can be. Let me tell you the results of my life. I have always wanted to make a difference in people's lives. That's in my heart cry my whole life. When I became free, it postured me to, be, to make a difference. So I did this closed group on Facebook. How are we on time? Okay, here we go. Closed group on Facebook. I, um, I just started telling my story and being honest. On that closed group, I have a nephew named Carter. He struggled with porn for years. And, he, and he's, as he watched my story, he said, you know, that guy sounds just like me. And so he started a close group on Facebook, but his issue was porn. And so he said, every day, I'm going to tell you if I watched porn last night. On that group was his dad, pastors of his church, his girlfriend's dad, and a bunch of friends. On that close group on that Facebook I had was my sister. When she was a little girl about 14 years old, that's when one, two, three happened to her. Stuff happened that she went in the bushes. And one thing that, that really hurt her in all of that is she developed this severe stuttering habit. And she stuttered severely her entire life. She watched my journey and she thought, you know what? His problem sounds just like my problem. I'll never forget the day I got a message from her on my phone. She messaged my wife and I and she said, you know, I stuttered for years, but it's time for me to stop stuttering. And I could tell her the same thing the gospel told me is that it's not about the weight. And I told her, you don't need to stop stuttering. And she began to live differently. She, she, her life, she would never step into the room to talk because of the stuttering issue. And she began to say, you know what? I'm going to go find places to help women. I got a voice to help people. Just last week, my wife was going through something. Guess who my wife called? My sister. And my sister encouraged her and helped her. My wife got off the phone and she talked about it. And she said, and you know what? She wasn't stuttering. My heart was to help people. In the last eight months of my life, this thing called the Purpose Mastermind has come out of my life. It is not a talent of mine. It's simply a grace that God has done through my life. And all over the world, by God's grace, we're able to help people to find purpose in life and to live bold lives that, that are a bright light in the world. In the last 60 seconds today, I need men to take a step today. And I want you to take it today because if you don't take a step of vulnerability purposefully and intentionally, you can head towards rock bottom in five years. So today I'm going to give you a list and I want you to decide which thing on the list you need to, you need to choose. Show us the list. Someone in this room, probably about 20 people in this room, you simply need to do this. Set up a conversation with a friend and say a sentence that begins with, I've been struggling with. 
Matter of fact, right now, take out your phone if you need to and say to text someone and say, hey, we need to talk. Do it right now. There's 10 men in this room that need to do that. At least 10. Do it right now. Number two, there's some men in this room. You need to go home to your wife and simply say, I've not been the man that I want to be for you. I just want you to know that I'm working on me. There's 10 men in this room. You need to do that tonight. And here's why you need to do it. Because when you step into vulnerability, it will change you. It invites the power of God into your life. Number three, get baptized. Number four, tithe. What a vulnerable thing is baptism and tithing. It doesn't make sense, but it works. Number five, get around vulnerable men. If you're not around vulnerable men, you will not be vulnerable. Number six, Kirby Anderson is a man I believe in with all my heart. For men, you might be a businessman and and life is weighing on you. And you need to take the vulnerable step to invite someone else in to be a resource to you. So Jesse, where are you at? Jesse, stand up. Jesse's going to be right up here in the front. There's probably two or three men in this room. You might be a businessman and life is weighing on you. You need to come see Jesse and get and figure out how to connect with his dad. Dr. Neiman is here somewhere. Are you here, Dr. Neiman? Will you stand up, please? He's going to be in the back of the room. If you need someone to walk through and receive some counsel, there's a resource. And then lastly, the Purpose Mastermind. I put on your tables a card for this. This, is, this helps men find the purpose of their life. It's very gospel-centered. There's information. There's a QR code you can sign up. I'm not here to sell you anything, but I'm going, to give, I'm going to give the gift that God's given me. I'm going to close this right now, but I'm telling you, there's some people in this room, in one year or five years or 10 years, you're heading towards a rock bottom, but if you take a step of vulnerability on purpose, it'll change everything. You'll find freedom. God, I thank you for the men in this room. May we all be compelled today to take a step. I thank you, Lord, that when we take a step of vulnerability, it invites your presence and power into our life. So help us to have the boldness to take that step this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.